T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio joining us on the Western Hotline, Jeremy White, Sneaky Joe. Howard's off today. He is back tomorrow for his final show. And he's doing it in style by taking one last day off. <laughs> right. He's got to rest up for that final day. That's right. That's right. He's back tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, like the vacation was not exactly planned for me to take vacation during his final week. It just kind of worked out this way. Anyway, um, good morning, Sal. What's up? How much? How was your uh, trip? It was good. It was good. Every time we do the flying with toddlers, it's a little bit – it's got a little bit of a level level of stress, kind of like when you tee off on the first hole with a bunch of strangers watching, like, I hope this goes well. And they slept a lot on the planes, and they were model citizens. I mean – you get well, a lot. Of, you get a lot of compliments when your young children on planes don't cry for three hours. You get at the end, everyone wants to shake your hand and give you high fives. I, I hear you. And two things: number one, it'll and it only gets better, right? I mean, like you might have some issues here or there, but as they get older, obviously though they'll be a little bit more adjusted. But I love the fact that your kids have been traveling with you like this since they've been very little. Um, our son Max has been going. He's you know my wife, as you know, is from Germany and. We've gone there. He he went there like when he was six months old, and then again a few years later, he's gone out west. Like he's been on planes since he was very little. So you know by now at nine years old, it's just routine for him. So I think that you know as your kids get older, it it, it will it'll be just second nature for them. So it'll be very cool, and you won't have to worry about any of that. Well, good, well, good. It was a it was a success. We did it just before they turned two. We did it because uh, when they turn two, then they become ticketed passengers with full. Full price tickets, which is a big difference. Anyway, oh yeah, that yeah, that, yeah. that does change things. That, for that, sure. That's big. That's why we did it just now. So, all right, Sal, it's um, you know, we're getting to the the combine, of course, the the testing. Mm-hmm. We had all the the press conferences. What do you feel like right now is the story around the Bills heading to the combine? Seems like everyone wants to talk about the weapons, the receivers. They'll, they'll get to the Leslie Frazier stuff and some of the defensive fallout from that, but. Um, you know, I saw a clip yesterday, Chris Sims talking about receiver, Brandon, yeah. Bean, Brandon Bean talked about uh, Gabriel Davis this week and the number two receiver. So the, the, the big picture of the offense right now, what's the message the Bills are kind of delivering everyone? Well, when it comes to on the field, because obviously the Leslie Frazier news has dominated the kind of cycle here the last 48 hours. But when it comes to on the field, I actually think, Jeremy, it might be that both Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have once again made it clear that the offensive line might be a big priority here. Um, In fact, Brandon Bean, I believe his quote was that he would look to 
invest there before playmakers is how we put it when he was asked specifically about adding playmakers uh, and we know that you know McDermott has brought that up before he even brought up how too quickly sometimes he said they did some really good things they started to run the ball better towards the end of the year but Josh was under pressure a little too quickly sometimes um, so that stood out I think it seems like every chance they have you get clues that this is going to be more of the focus and an early focus in the offseason here through free agency, maybe even in the draft. And, you know, always have to remember the calendar and the timeline here. Free agency starts in, well, you can start talking to free agents in 11 days. Free agency starts in 13 days. The draft isn't for a month and a half. You know, so as, as much as, you know, we can always have fun talking about and mocking the draft, things might change based on what happens in free agency. So I think that's the first and foremost part that I'm kind of looking at is what are they looking to do in free agency on the offensive line? Because it just seems like they keep mentioning that that's going to be an area they're going to focus on. So if they want to rebuild the offensive line, what are the chances that Mitch Morse's replacement is a part of that? Do you think that could be like a guard that can play center, somebody that can that can swing inside once his time is up? Because the, the level of scouting that would go into that, Sal, if we're just starting in the middle of the offensive line, they could use the short-term help at guard, and then the idea would be two needs in one because you get the long-term answer at center. Well, they already have a lot of that on the roster, so I don't think you have to go out and target that. You know, if you – look, Ryan Bates is on the team, and he's not going anywhere. He signed a nice contract last year by the RFA tender that they matched from Chicago, and I don't think they're looking to necessarily replace Ryan Bates. It's funny you use the word rebuild. I think that's where my question is. How much do you have to rebuild the offensive line? Is it one big piece? Is it we have to replace out three or two or three guys? Um, I don't see Deion Dawkins going anywhere, obviously, at left tackle. I think Ryan Bates is going to be one of the guards. Now, could it be possible that he doesn't start when it comes to opening day next year? Sure. I don't think, you know, if you're looking at two changes on each side of the guard, and then Spencer Brown, he's one they'll talk about in a minute because I think it's interesting how they talk about him a lot. But when it comes to Mitch Morse, I don't think they have to go out and do that. I, I, they have Ike Butker still. He's a free agent, but you can get Ike Butker back. They'll sign him to a minimum deal. He can come back. You have Ryan Bates on the roster. They have guys. Greg Van Roten. Like, they have guys that they can use for that. If they want an upgrade there, that's fine. But, you know, what does the upgrade look like? Then you're almost talking about actually replacing Mitch Morse, and I don't see that. The only way they're replacing Mitch Morse, to me, is that Mitch Morse decides he doesn't want to play because of the concussions. Now, they can't save money by replacing Mitch Morse, but he's a good player, and he's only going to be 31 years old. We often forget that because he seems like he's a lot older, I guess. Yeah. Mitch Morse can still play. He still has two years left on his deal, so I don't see necessarily that being the route they go. Um, I do wonder. I think the interior spot, though, the guard spot, whether – I don't think it has to be anybody that's got to play center. Just maybe a guard. somebody. And if they can play center this day and age, a lot of these guys can do that anyway, then that's fine. Um, but I wonder, you know, I, I've always felt maybe right tackle is a spot they'd look at, but it seems like they're always talking up Spencer Brown and how much he came into camp last year with the back injury and that really impacted him. Um, you know, coming from a small school, he just hasn't, he hasn't really had enough playing time yet to where they thought he'd be at this point because of a couple injuries and things like that. But they seem like they really, really believe in him. So is that is that right? Like, are they do they really believe in him and everything they say, or is it they're sending that messaging out because they don't want to say, hey, we're going to go replace Spencer Brown, right? But I mean, on face value, it seems like that's really a guy that they are going to depend on and want. So to me, if that's the case, you're looking at the interior spots, but it doesn't have to be a guy that can play center and guard because generally a lot of those guys can anyway. I wonder too how much investment they put into it because really under other than center and left tackle, Sal, their philosophy has always been mm-hmm. kind of 
patchwork, you know, one year deals. Even Brown is a third round pick. Like that's not that high draft capital. Right. Um, that they've kind of just okay, we'll figure it out. And I wonder if there's ever a shift there of we'll figure it out to all right, let's let's whether it's a free agent contract or whether it's a, a draft pick like in the first round, whether they'll at the other offensive line positions say okay, let's really let's get a let's get a stud at this position. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that. Can you guys tell me the last, uh, you know, the last real high, <laughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. offensive lineman they've chosen? Um, Cody Ford. You know, it's, yeah, Cody Ford. Second it's in round. 2019. Oh, right. And yeah. they he moved, was a second round pick in 2019. They moved up. Um, and before, and they moved up for him. Yeah. And before that, it was, I would say it was Deion Dawkins as a second round pick. Yeah. Really? That's it. They've, they've had, since 2017, since Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have been in Buffalo. They've only drafted two offensive linemen in the top two rounds in the draft. I'm not advocating necessarily they do that. It just seems to your point, Joe, which is right. I don't think they've really invested heavily in that position when it comes to draft capital. And then when it comes to paying, they haven't gone out and got free agents. Now, they did sign Darryl. They they have re-signed their own to some contracts. Mm Darrell Williams when he was a free agent. John Feliciano. But those guys didn't come over here for a lot of big money. You know, they went out and they got, uh, remember the couple different Jets guys they got over the years that were, you know, free agents. Those are the guys. But what they've done is they, they re-signed Ryan Bates to an RFA tender that they matched for the Bears. And obviously they gave Deion Dawkins a a, a really good, ex- a, a very good extension, you know, to be their franchise left tackle. But yes, that's right. They have not necessarily gone out and said, we're going to go get a free agent and pay a bunch of money. Even Roger Saffold, right? I mean, the name yeah. was there, but he didn't make a ton of money, and they did. They have not draft, spent a lot of draft capital on those positions. The last time they spent a, a first round pick on an offensive lineman, uh, Eric Wood, I would guess. Eric Wood spent fourteen yeah. years. That yeah. that might be one of the longest streaks in the NFL. I have to look, yeah. But mm-hmm. as you mentioned, like there are second round picks there, and they mm-hmm. did pay Darrell Williams and John Feliciano. I know those contracts were designed so that. You know there were outs and whatnot, so they weren't that prohibitive. But they did pay those guys. They but they paid them after they got to Buffalo. And right? that, I mean, I don't think right. they right. They did. They didn't pay them to right. bring them to Buffalo. They paid them after they became free agents and had to keep them in Buffalo. And that's the difference. That we haven't really seen them go out and pluck a guy from free agency. I have to go back and look at those contracts. Someone could say no, they gave mm-hmm. Feliciano or Williams a little more, but it wasn't like they were. I mean, even when Daryl Williams came, it was a reclamation project. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So so th- this is a different scenario, I think. So. I'm I'm looking at maybe what they do there, and then of course you do get to the weapons, and it really is interesting because I think this is a draft deep with a lot of these weapons. I think the the, the wide receiver class isn't necessarily going to be like super deep, but what it is, it's going to be the top end guys are going to be pushed down the board more than most most years, which is great for the Bills. By the way, the same thing can be said for interior uh, offensive linemen. The, both those positions. The really good thing about the Bills this year, as opposed to most years drafting where they are, guys. I think the two positions on offense, at least, that we talk about the most, wide receiver and guard, it looks like those positions aren't going to be taken really heavily a lot before they draft. Now, teams could move up, of course, but it seems like those two positions have good talent at the top that will be pushed down into the 20s where the Bills will be sitting and having some options. You know, Sal, the big picture of a lot of what it sounds like is we're wondering if X number of years into the McDermott-Bean era – if they're going to start changing patterns, right? Because you're talking about how how they've invested in the offensive line. Looks like they're about to change that or whatever. If they if they do what you're saying and went first round or second round, it's not something they've done a lot. If Bean invests a lot of prime capital in the offensive line, that would be a bit of a change. And then to take this to the defensive side of the ball, one of the very 
quick questions about Leslie Frazier stepping away is, are the Bills going to make any fundamental changes to how they play? The Tremaine Edmonds mm-hmm. decision seems to be a big decision on the style of defense that they play. And I guess I wonder what you think. You know, They might come back with a lot of the same players, but will they come back with a different approach? Uh, and I don't want to make it as simple as you know run it more on offense because that's the thing we always kind of get bogged down in each year. But do you think they're kind of self scouting themselves as all right? Let's let's take a turn and let's with our process, which has been proven to be pretty good to this point. Let's maybe change our focuses a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that might happen more on the defensive side than it will on the offensive side with Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen. You know, coming back, both of them, obviously you have Josh. I don't see a lot of change there. The change might be more in the personnel and what we talk about, who's the two, who's the three, wide receiver, slot receiver. Um, I, I think Brandon Bean did mention yards after catch, though, a little bit, um, if I remember correctly. I know Chris Brown was talking uh, with him, if I remember how that conversation went. But that is an area where maybe, maybe we see something like that. I think the only way you see some sort of philosophical change there is if it, it truly is like a B. John Robinson in the first round, right? There's, an, there's a, a, a running back that's taken, and that would be like, okay, like what does this look like now? What are they doing here? And I don't even think that would mean necessarily turning around and handing it off a lot. As more, I think it might be just mean how they're gonna, you know, get the ball to their playmakers. But on defense, Jeremy, I do think that, that we're looking at something a little bit different here because, I mean, look, if Leslie Frazier is stepping away and Sean McDermott's gonna become the play caller, um, I think by nature, you know, you're gonna get some new wrinkles, you're gonna get some new things. It's gonna be still Sean McDermott's philosophy on defense. He's not gonna roll out there and run Buddy Ryan's forty six or Rex Ryan's defense, right? That's not gonna happen. They're not running a three four suddenly. Um, but I do, and I went back and looked, and I, I tweeted yesterday. There's an article. 2016, when Sean McDermott was the Panthers' defensive coordinator, his last year in Carolina, and he was quoted as saying about his philosophy on defense and being aggressive, and this came because I, Ron Rivera had said that he was an aggressive play caller when he was his defensive coordinator. So I couldn't really find, if you go to Pro Football Reference, they have like blitz percentage, but it doesn't go back that far, so I couldn't find the blitz percentage of that year. But I found this article... And it was about how McDermott, like, and there was this one game where they really blitzed a lot. And he said, yeah, I mean, if that's what it takes, I'm going to blitz a lot. And if it takes not to do that, every game is different. And he said, I'm aggressive by nature. He said, I'm a wrestler. I'm aggressive. And as I said to Joe yesterday in the Extra Point Show, Jeremy, aggressive doesn't have to mean blitzing all the time. Aggressive can mean playing more man-to-man, press coverage. Aggressive can mean really focusing and taking away and aggressively your number one receiver or something else you do. So I think that we are looking at some sort of shift in whatever that is I don't know but I'm interested in it and clock management and whatnot like things that you're hearing like well does he have the mental space to do all of that right like adding that on a plate a lot of head coaches do call plays especially offensively and I almost wonder like a lot of those those game management decisions don't they feel like a lot of them come when you're on the offensive side of the football anyway I, I might I might be more wondering Sal less about you know when it comes to like workload and whatnot less about McDermott during a defensive drive, but, you know, maybe like between drives because he's the guy that's, you know, making the calls on, um, on like, you know, whether or not we should call timeout here or are we going forward on fourth down when Allen's out there. And maybe that's where Al Holcomb comes in as, let's like between drives when you're really talking it out with your line and, and your, and your secondary and like what happened. I, I wonder if that's really where Holcomb's role becomes more important. I would agree. I think it would. You know, I mean, there's been reporting that said that, you know, McDermott 
really considered Holcomb for his defensive coordinator position when he was hired here, McDermott that is, but maybe didn't feel that Holcomb was ready for that necessarily. Now he comes in, you got him on staff, you got Eric Washington on staff, you have Bob Babich on staff, like go through it, you got John Butler on staff, right? You have all these guys who they've been there and all those guys can be a part of that. But yeah, specifically, I would say that Holcomb, it seems like doesn't have a true position. He hasn't been, he has signed one. It's he's the senior defensive assistant. And I wouldn't be surprised if that falls more on him, that role. You know, people talk about, and I do understand the concern of any time you have a head coach who's a play caller, offense or defense, of their time management and where you're going to divide their your time and all those things during a game. I think sometimes, though, that, like, I, what? so someone mentioned to me, like, the timeouts. Like, oh, he's already bad at using timeouts. Is he? I don't know. I don't think he is. I think there's always, to, there's always timeouts in every season you can look at from a coach and say, oh, he shouldn't have taken that one. There was one in Cincinnati. And we found out later the reason he took it, they did 12 men on the field. So he had to take the timeout. He, you know, or else they're going to get a penalty because everybody's wondering, why did they call timeout on third and 10? That's why. Um, what's funny, though, Joey, is you say usually that stuff happens on offense. McDermott's actually known for that on defense. You know, the snapshot timeout he takes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He takes a picture. He takes a timeout to see what they're going to line up in because he thinks like a defensive coach, obviously, because he is. He takes that timeout. Um, but I don't, I don't dismiss the point. I mean, it is more. It is more on the plate, and he is going to have to rely on it. And I don't know if you heard Jeremy yesterday what I said, but and what I kind of reported, which is, it is leaning that way. It's it looks like it's going to be Sean McDermott calling the defensive plays, and the big reason is that I've been hearing exactly that. Joe, he feels he has all of these people on staff that he can really rely on and trust. After now going into his seventh year as a head coach in the league and having his program set, that it's not going to be as challenging or as daunting of a task that maybe a lot of other coaches might have earlier on in their career. Get a phone call in here from David in Wheatfield, who's talking a little bit of draft. David, good morning. Morning, guys. Um, I know we've been focusing on wide receiver as getting another offensive weapon for Josh, but I'm just wondering if if B. John Robinson is still on the board at 27, can we really afford to pass him up? I mean, the draft guys that I'm, you know, McShay and and, uh, all these other guys, like, have him ranked as, like, the third to fifth best player in the draft uh they're saying he's a bigger stronger Saquon Barkley I mean that's a weapon we I mean if he's there at 27 don't we have to take him it's so it's such a great debate it's such a great question we've talked about it a lot hey look my philosophy is I understand he is great that position is not about player that position is about value to me um you know, and it always goes, and I'll, I agree with this. If you take a running back in the first round, I mean, you, you're going to use the running back in the first round. Now, it doesn't always have to mean handing the ball, but this is an offense built around Josh Allen, built around the quarterback. I have no interest in this team building, a, building an offense around a running back, and I think you almost are forced to do that if you take a running back at that spot. If they did that, I would be asking if they can trade James Cook, which, I mean, right. it doesn't even seem – well, you you'd be losing value on him. Could you get a fourth or a fifth for Cook? Maybe, mm-hmm. and that would soften the blow. But you know, there's a I saw a stat from Eric Turner, cover one, about the Bills and their running backs yards before contact. Yeah, number one in the league before contact. Yeah. So there is room to run for these these Bills runners. I mean, I guess Allen is factored in that as well. But yeah, I, it, I well, also Bean said this week, Sal. Like, he would not he, – he said, like, sure, like, I would draft a running back in the first round. Like, he at least – however he put it. He didn't – Yeah, he's never going to tell you he's not, though, by the way, just so you know. Right. Yep. Well, yep. That, that's one thing, right? Because, one, he might, want, yeah. he might want other teams to think that he would do it. But, two, even if he would, even if he was being truthful in that moment, 
He could also mean, yeah, like there are scenarios where I take a running back in the first round. I don't know if that means, though, that he couldn't rule out drafting running back in the first round when you have this roster build. I wonder if just, like, maybe he would have done it. Maybe when he first got here. Like, yeah, I could have done it. But now that you're at a point with Allen's contract and it's harder to fill these holes and pay people that, Mm. uh, depending on where you are in your timeline as a team, I wonder if you're less likely to pick a running back in the first round. Yeah, I I think that's a fair point. Um, Now, I I do think it's funny because it's it's a bit of a chicken and egg here when it comes to that position for the Bills because – they they don't I don't think the Bills have been ever interested in spending big money on a running back. Um but so you can take one at twenty seven and say we're not really spending big money because it's a rookie contract, so this fits for us. But again, I'll go back to if you take him at that spot, I just I think I think it comes down to guys, running backs are so replaceable. Even the even the best ones, right? Mm-hmm. You can get you can get above level replacement play from guys who are taken later in the draft. I just don't think you have to do it. That is not to say that a guy like Bijan Robinson wouldn't help the Bills or any team. Of course he would. Of course he would. But how much more does that guy help a team that's centered around Josh Allen throwing the ball than a guy you take in the third or fourth round or you could pick up as a mid level free agent? I I just don't know if it's value compared to a guy you could take instead to help you at another position that that's not as true. And as you said, Sal, if they restructure Naheem Hines or sign a running back in the offseason that rates enough, this conversation could be dead before the draft even begins. I mean, if they're full at running back, and it certainly seems like Cook and a reworked Hines and another guy that rates would really put that to bed. Right now, with Singletary leaving, there's at least a conversation, I think, to be if had. If he leaves. Yeah, if he, right, sure, if he leaves, which I would expect. I just think, let's remember, I mean, there are a, there are a lot of free agent running backs with right. decent names. Josh it is Jacobs. It's very possible. Yep, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, Alexander Madison, right? Not that he's great, but these are guys that can play. They can play. David Montgomery. It, the, the more names you get there, the more, Tony Pollard, the more names you get there, the more that, it, that Devin Singletary's value goes down and you say, hey, you know, come on back here for $3 million a year. Okay, let's do it. You know, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Sales appearance brought to you by New York's Outlet Liquor. It's time to stock up. It's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Extra points show on the way today. What do you guys got going on today? Uh, we're just going to keep talking about this. And uh, I want to get Joe's thoughts on the uh, Jacob Chikrin trade and mm. other musings going around the NHL, obviously. So uh, we'll we'll stay on top of all of it. NFL Combine still going on. NHL trade deadline coming up tomorrow. All right. Sal Capaccio on the West Her Hotline. Thanks, Sal. You got it. 803-0550 to join us for a phone call. 1-888-550-2550. Renderings. While I was gone, we got renderings, Joe. I can't believe you missed that. That is big things happening with that Jeremy's is. office. Renderings, the renderings. I like to see a good rendering. You, you kind of, you, you sneak preview, not sneak preview. You uh, tease that they were coming. That they were coming. I, heard, I, I was mentally prepared. I, was, I had heard that those would be coming. Yep. Yeah. Also, coverage of the combine brought to you by uh, New York's Outlet Liquor. When it's time to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. Combine going on, and <laughs> it is kind of funny to listen to all these GMs. They love everybody they've got. These GMs almost talk like they don't have an offseason coming up. How do you like your team? Love everybody. Yeah. Everybody's great. Wait till we draft some players. Then we'll talk about how we love those guys too. Like trusting Gabe Davis as a number two. The Bills are going to say that. They don't believe that anymore, I don't think. They still think he can be a good player, but there's no way they really believe that, right? That he's their number two. Yeah. That he is one or that he's he is, their number two? That he two? is theirs. That he is one. Well, this is what I said. I, is there? Does that rule out anybody? 
Is them saying Gabriel Davis, he's penciled in as our number two receiver. Does that rule anybody out? No. Who steps in day one and is above him on the depth chart that they could get? Other than, like, Beckham would be, like, the only name. And that's it, right? I like, mean... If they, if they draft a rookie in the first round on the depth chart, Gabriel Davis is still above that player, right? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. By the time, yeah, if we're talking number two from a target share standpoint, yeah, we can't figure that out until we get to October, right? When we see, hey, we're eight games in, and this is their new number two receiver who's received right. more targets, and the odds of that happening for a rookie, you know, well, people have takes about how they use rookies. Let's get a break in eight oh three oh five fifty. Trade line coverage continues in the NHL, of course. I would expect more trades today, and tomorrow's the deadline. So we'll uh, we'll keep you up on the juicy rumors, and hopefully we can see some Sabres names and some rumors because, like Joe said, the trade deadline list, uh, the, the the trade bait list, mm-hmm. not, a, not a lot of bait left in that trade bait machine. It's Jeremy White, it's Nikki Joe on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.